fun. I'm gone. All right. Um, what I wanted to do today is, uh, you know, I'm like envisioning everybody sitting around and I'm telling a story. And it's a story that has three stories. So um, I want to begin to tell you the story about my past because it's like the before and after pictures that you see on Facebook or Instagram. You know, this is the way I used to look and this is how I look now. Only I'm talking about uh, my entire being so that you can understand where I come from and the things that I've learned from. Um, my own particular past is where I begin. <clears throat> and then I'll go on and tell you the narrative about my 562 days of varying degrees of isolation up the mountain. If I were paying for a retreat for the last year and a bit, I would be far out of pocket. So this is a great gift. I was born to a woman who had borderline personality disorder. Her own mother was 16 when she was married and gave birth to five children in seven years. My grandmother's daily battles were with poverty and loneliness. Her husband worked far away in the forest. She was a psychic and did tea readings. And so I, I can only imagine how that spirit felt trapped in the life that she was living. As a result, my own mother lived with a deep sense of abandonment that spilled out into all following generations. My maternal grandfather was distant, cold, and cruel. Once when he was giving his little girl a haircut, literally with a bowl on her head, he snapped, don't move. And when she did, he nicked her earlobe on purpose to teach her, he said. She went on to marry a man who was a psychopath with multiple personality disorder. Her deeply entrenched lack of self-esteem meant that she did little to protect me and my brother from his violence and moments of outright insanity. I was left with nothing of my own, not my body, not my thoughts. The DNA trauma of wars cascaded down both genetic lines in my family and manic depression was a recurrent theme in my ancestry. And I looked that up. I was encased in suffering <clears throat> for literally decades. I withdrew into books and walked alone at night like some kind of gothic living ghost. The greatest loss, however, was my own sense of self. I black blanked out the memories like an arm erasing a chalkboard removes the words. Once in a while, a fragment was clear to me. I could read part of a word. I could see part of an image, but it was not enough. Dissociation was how I rescued myself. But I missed me. I can only imagine how it would feel not to be numbed out, cut off from the body, to be fascinated by my own mind and thoughts. 
the multiple su suicide attempts and the despair alternating with manic periods of energy were exhausting to me. And then I received the gift of illness. Workaholic addiction had pulled me through my life. I loved it. It made me feel powerful. There was something else to do. I could do it. I would give myself a badge. We all had it, my entire family. All of us worked a full-time job and side jobs. We were too busy to feel anything at all. And so I fell. The cancer hit me hard and pulled me off of the path I had been walking. The doctor told me I came within two weeks of being inoperable. After that, I tried as any good addict will try to get back into the emotional reward of my addiction, <laughs> but I fell again. I developed crippling rheumatoid arthritis. My hands wouldn't work. I couldn't walk. <clears throat> By now I realized my body was just screaming at me to stop it. And so I returned to the Buddhist meditation practice I had developed in my 20s. I sat with myself and I could see that inside I was hollow. I could see that inside there was terror of my own body. The body remembered the abuse and I didn't want it. I had a Reiki therapist once who told me he'd seen people who are out of their body and they were distressed by it. He said, you aren't, you're just gone. And uh, that was a turning point for me to hear that. Once a counselor asked me to do a self-portrait and I drew a gigantic mask standing upright and there was a tiny girl who put a long ladder up to the left eye. She was peeking out, but only her face and one hand showed over the lower lid. I was afraid to be seen. Like most people who come to this place in their lives, I felt I would die. It would kill me to look at what had happened to me. But if I didn't look it squarely in the eyes, if I didn't actually see the monster I feared, I knew for sure I would die physically. And that, as we know about life, and one has to laugh, <laughs> is when everything fell apart. All of the definitions of myself that I had built were gone. It was as if someone had come into the house and smashed every one of my mirrors. The job, my marriage, my financial state, all dissolved like the illusions that they actually were. It was only then that I became curious. I began to consider myself my very own experiment. And I often say to my clients, I am the lab rat <laughs> that, I have that I have been experimenting on, and that's why I can help you. I have had all of it, and I have made the dumbest mistakes, not once, <laughs> but repeatedly. So I can come here and say to you, oh yeah, I know what that's like. 
I read, I went to plant medicine retreats. I studied with Gabor Mate. I was really after it. I wanted to know who I was, what had happened to me, and what I could do to find who my soul personality was meant to be. And I was on the path of becoming who I was meant to be in this life. I was resetting myself after the great collapse. I discovered from my reading and my study how trauma is implanted into familial DNA. And I researched both sides of my family. I went into Ancestry.com and looked at family stories for five generations back, sitting in my chair, saying out loud, holy crap. <laughs> it was like, what? And I looked at those ancestors and the trauma that they had lived through. And I began to understand more about how all of this had come down to me. It also allowed me to forgive my mother and my father more when I understood what they had gone through, how they had been raised and what the trauma was they were carrying in their bodies. The reoccurring theme was the lost mother. I had never before heard of anyone like my grandfather who was raised in a small village in Serbia, who had a birth certificate that said, mother unknown. And the thought that came to me was, how could she be unknown in a small village? This is a very interesting detective story. They put her away somewhere, and we don't know what happened to her. So the lost mother is in the whole family story. I discovered as I searched that my own father died in his 50s from a heroin addiction he had begun when he was still living in the house with me. He had repeated marriages to different women because he was good looking and charming until they found out who he was. I went on to learn how the neurons of the brain of abused and traumatized children are structured differently than the neurons of the children who are loved and protected. And I would say whose parents had also had a calm, safe upbringing because it goes down in the family line. I began to see that I couldn't think my way out of it. And that was one of the great frustrations for me was People would constantly mirror back to me. Well, that happened to you, but just think your way out of it. I had a vision of someone telling a person who is born without hands to pull up their own bootstraps. My brain did not have the wiring to process and heal from the situation I had gone through. We are in the second great collapse in my story. And this, this collapse is the one that you and all of us share together. 
And that is, we have a collapse of a system that doesn't work. And we're in a place where we're feeling abandoned and confused. There is a myth of normal that we previously lived within. The past was a tidy little structure of hierarchy and hidden chaos. We saw ourselves like children protected by the adult figures that held the true power and we gave it over to them. It was okay, abuse somebody else. If you're not abusing me, I don't care. We are experienced now. We are into what is going to be three months of hyper chaotic energy coming in. And I call it a pestilence of thoughts. If you think about a field of wheat with grasshoppers, lotus coming in, that kind of thing, that's where we are. The thoughts are flying in, obscuring the sky, and we're just feeling overwhelmed by it. There are too many words, too many rope ladders of perceived truth that we are climbing to escape the burning building. It is a time now of demolition of the old constructs and the new formations cannot be built yet in the debris. And so we despair. And what I wanna say is despair is a choice. We run around like children asking, where is my safe place? Who can I trust? These are the questions that each of us has to answer on our own. Woven within these two stories, my childhood and what's going on now, <clears throat> is the fabric of the culture, the history, the traumas that have gone before, and the times that we were living within. The world is resetting itself, and it's very disturbing. <laughs> During the 562 days, I have used the 10 years of intensive study about human conditioning, familiar trauma, brain functionality, to help me help other people, to help the clients I coach. And I, what I bring to my clients is an understanding of exactly how, how lost you can get and exactly how terrified you can get and how exactly malfunctioning you can get and how do you get out of it. And I can say to them, I've done it. I can lead you out of the jungle because I have been through this. What I can bring to them is a toolkit. I have had a clear channel since I was four years old. Did not know my grandmother was a psychic tea, leader, uh, tea leaf uh, reader until my mother was on her deathbed. I have become more and more focused and committed to being who I was born into this life to be, my soul, person, personality, is all I focus on right now. Why am I here? How can I help? What others think I am is unimportant to me. 
as Wayne Dyer said, it's none of my business what others think of me. And I really like that. It's allowed me to come out as a psychic, a channel, and as a person who has been through the swamp, who has walked through the fires, and who is in a place of excitement about who I'm becoming and what lies in the future. The way I work as a coach is to bring my entire kit to each session. And uh, I've spent most of my life preparing myself for this time in my life. First, I have my own childhood experiences. So I get it. I don't pretend to get it. If somebody talks to me about horrendous trauma, I go, oh yeah, I, I know what that feels like. Secondly, my channel is so beautiful. What I do is I work remotely and I fly over a person. I don't care who they are in the world. They can be in Prague, they can be in India, um, you know, they can be in Spain. I will fly over them and I read their energy. It's the first scan that I do. I don't talk to them. I don't look for information about them. I don't use their name. It's just a direct energy read. Then I get messages. Uh, I might get a message about their low on female energy. That side of their body seems very depleted. Or part of their aura is depleted by a vampire experience that they still suffer. And I'll explain that to you. I can see that their mother has grabbed on to part of who they were meant to be and has, and has withered that. And I know exactly who in their family or in their childhood has injured them in that way. Not intending to, I'm not saying it's intentional. I see, we'll see images that I frequently don't know how to interpret. And I've gotten very comfortable with that. Uh, recently, I had a client and I saw her, she was gonna go down to the water and she was gonna go fishing. And she caught a whale on a regular fishing line. I said, holy, you've got a big fish there. And I say to her, I don't know how to interpret that. What does that mean? And then she tells me about her job. She thought she was gonna do one small thing and it ends up being a massive uh, new contract that's gonna make her do very, very well in the world. I may see a flock of cardinals alight onto a tree and the person will tell me, my mother always told me she would show up as a cardinal. So I will say to her, well, she's trying to message you. She's trying to contact you, help you with the problem you're having right now. Um, once I said to a client, you're in so much grief, I said, I see you driving past a swing set. Every time you drive past it, you say to yourself, I want to go sit in the swing set. I want to go swing in the park, but she was 40 years old. I said, are you going to go drive past the park on your way home? And she said, yes. And I said, you need to go swing because while you're swinging, your guides will come to you. The message will come to you. The healing will come to you. And she was so excited. She could barely wait to get in the car and go to the swing. 
Um, so these images come to me and the client has to help me decipher them. Thirdly, I get a direct message from a guide who is with the person. And I've got to tell you, I find this very amusing. I've gotten better over the years at not yelling at the person. <laughs> if your guide has been back there trying to get you to do something to take better care of yourself or to make yourself happier and you haven't been listening, they, they really yell. So I'll be sitting and talking to a client and says, well, you, and then I have to stop myself. It's just like, no, no, no. Just take the yelling and deliver it in a calmer voice. I know it's their guides because it has a different voice than the voice in my head. It has a different voice than the channel voice. It is the voice of that particular guide that I hear. So it's, it's always an adventure. <laughs> I never know what's gonna happen. The guide will often say, tell him, and they mean this is what he must know. I don't get a lot of irrelevant information. I get information about the crisis that you're in right now, the thing that you're dealing with right now. The rest of it is not gonna show up it's not in the reading, it's not important, but the guides will be trying to get through to you to give you help so that, uh, so that you're in a state of grace. And this is something I really wanted to talk about. The word grace, if you can say it in your mind and feel it in your body, what it means is that you, are given a gift of universal love for no reason. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't beat somebody else in a competition. It is just given to you. So this is a path we're on, is to be in a place where we accept the grace that is flowing to us in our lives. Fourthly, I've done a heck of a lot of work on the science of trauma, habit formation, healing energy. As Shauna explained to you, I read every day. I, I work every day toward trying to understand the science and the physiology of being a human being. Um, the other part that I bring, which is kind of amazing to me at this point, I'm two years away from being 80. I just, you know, I just can't, can't really incorporate that because I feel like I'm just beginning. I'm just starting. I'm just coming into my power. I'm just coming into the place where I can help people. Um, when you are as old as I am, what it gives to me is it gives me hundreds of examples of the trajectory of individual lives. I've watched the result of personal choices of various people over the decades. I know where they are headed. This choice will lead to this result. And I've seen it in all of the lives that I have observed. 
I have read the last chapter of so many biographies of the people who once lived around me. And so I can bring that wisdom to a reading. Today, I am healthy, calm. I sleep nine hours a night, even-tempered, optimistic, and absolutely clear about why I was born into such a chaotic childhood. It was so I could help others. I understand. I've been there. I say to my clients every single time, there is one place that is safe for you. It is your body. There is one place that you have the most power. It is in your body. Our culture's misunderstanding of the body is the root cause of our failure to love the earth. And it is why we destroy the earth. We're disconnected. We say the body is toxic and you need to take this, these drops or, or starve yourself or you know put crystals behind your head or turn around three times and touch the ground because we're constantly in a state where we're feeling like we cannot trust the universe we cannot trust our body we cannot trust our souls so we need to constantly be trying to intercede because we so fear our physicality The body is how we connect to source. The body is how we connect to love. The body is how we connect to our biggest desire. And you know what the secret is? What the worst thing that can happen to us is to not be able to love other people. And that's one of the things that's hitting us big time right now. If they are wrong about COVID, if they are doing something wrong, then I can't love them. That hurts our hearts when we're that way. It hurts, it's a pain. We need to connect to our own bodies and know we can love people just willy-nilly for no reason <laughs> just absolutely like a sparkler we don't have to control it and i don't mean you're running out ripping off people's masks and kissing them i mean you're walking past them and you're sending them love we don't trust our own ability to heal ourselves we don't trust our connection to source. And that is why we have been imprinted by a culture that we can clearly see is failing. The next part of this is, uh, I wanna share with you some of the books I recommend to my clients so that they can light their own candle in the darkness. And these books have been just amazing uh, for me in 
the last however many days <laughs> I've been up the mountain. So I'm just gonna go through these uh, for you so that you can get a hold of them and you can help yourself. The first one, which is just so good. It's like a key. If you're in an escape room, <laughs> you, know, you don't know how to get out and it's called your family crypt. Buried alive in my family crypt. <laughs> Have a look at this one. It didn't start with you. How inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how we end the cycle. In 2015, researchers took uh, black Norwegian long-tailed rats, uh, the males, and traumatized them with the smell of cherry blossoms at the same time. Up to the generation of their grand rats, what do you call those? <laughs> What's the name for the grand rat? <laughs> they would shriek and just freak out when they smelled cherry blossom. How did that happen to them? That happened to them because their grandfathers had been traumatized in the presence of cherry blossom. We know for a fact in science that four generations hold the same trauma. You know where? In every cell. So this is a great book for you to sit down and do the worksheets, do the family research, find out why you have this lingering handicap that you don't seem to be able to get yourself out of and it's in your family for me that helps me get out of it because i can look at it and i can say oh this isn't mine this is not my burden to carry this next one is very very good it explains what's going on right now the craziness in the world I think of France when they had this moldy flour and the whole village made bread out of it and everybody went crazy. They were all, you know, it was like, it was like a sci-fi movie. They were forming at the mouth and walking up and down the street and doing weird stuff. And they found out that the, the mold on the flour actually created LSD. So the entire village was insane. That's where we are right now. <laughs> if we're looking for social signals from other people as to the behavior we should be engaged in, we have to drop it. Some people are on bad acid. Just love them. Let it go. And he also explains why this happened. He talks about when you're in a state of fear, your IQ drops because you're operating from the limbic brain, from the stem of the brain. The highest IQ you can hope to achieve, being terrified, is 60. And if you've ever known anybody with a 60 IQ, <laughs> think about that. 
what happens if you're in a state of a little bit of anxiety is that you move up to a higher part of the brain and you're now operating with any luck at all with an IQ of around 100. How do we use the prefrontal lobes and stay in an adult state? We do that with breath work. We do that with loving our bodies and staying in our bodies because the body is the safe place. It will bring us home, always, always home. So this is a great book to read. Uh, Oprah Winfrey grabbed uh, this book and produced it. Uh, I don't know what you think. There are probably six opinions right now about Oprah Winfrey, but she does bring a lot of really helpful information forward about trauma and that she has brought it out of the closet. Another book that is helping people a great deal right now is Unwinding Anxiety. New science shows how to break the cycles of fear and worry to heal your mind. And it's very interesting how wrong we get this. We keep thinking that self-discipline will do everything. It's not true. Self-discipline is not going to get rid of your family trauma. It's not going to get rid of your repeating habits. As the Buddhists say, the mind is a bundle of habits. That's all. So learning when your anxiety arises, what do you do? Gabor Mate taught me this in, in a retreat I was in. The first question you ask is, what triggered the anxiety? The next question you ask is, where is it in my body? And the third question you ask is, what is this? just like in my childhood. And once you trace it back, it's so much easier to let it go. We get triggered by something that happened to us under the age of seven. And now it's up to us to see it and to release it. The other book that I am just very, very happy with I'm so glad I found this. This book goes against our cultural myth as well, because we believe that if we just work hard enough on ourselves, if we struggle and suffer and push back and just, it's gotta be a heavy weight we're lifting. That's the only way that we know that we're really doing something. And James Clear presents all of the studies that show that if you don't take baby steps, you're not going to get there because the ego is a monster, as Eckhart Tolle tells us. And if you wake up the ego, you're not going to get very far. <laughs> so James Clear, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. He talks about the 1% a day is that's all you're going to do. And when I work with my clients, I always suggest to them only three, three things. We're only going to do three baby steps. So if they're in a state where 
you know, they haven't been paying any attention at all to their body. What I suggest to them is that they start making a step toward really liking their body. And it can be something simple, like starting to use hand lotion or skin lotion. So those are the good books. Those are the good books for you to help you out of this chaos that we're living in right now. I love it. Love it. You're always so, so inspirational, Sheree. Well, it's an operator's manual. That's the thing we're missing. Yes, it know? is. <laughs> we're just, it's like new software. You know, how the hell does this work? You know, <laughs> how does this work? <laughs> now, the Gabber Mate, when it's like, um, you, you, you got to think back to your childhood, what it feels like. What did we struggle to think of that? Like, we're feeling anxious. We feel it in our body. And then you said to think back to our childhood to connect it to what was happening for that feeling. What if we had yeah. trouble finding that? Yeah. So the trigger will be, uh, uh, let's say, um, you know, that, that my mother would, uh, I'd be talking to her, she'd turn her back on me and, and start talking to somebody else. So when I'm in a social situation, if somebody turns their back on me when we're in a conversation, I will be triggered, but I'm not triggered by them. I'm triggered by my mother. Because as an adult, I can live with that. So what? <laughs> but, you know, as a five-year-old, it, it's like pretty painful. <laughs> yeah. That's a good example. Well, thank you so much for sharing your awesomeness and those great uh, suggestions for reading, like an operating manual, like you said, because <laughs> people are lost and confused out there. So always, always great to see you. Yeah. And uh, Shauna, the social signaling that we've relied on to know what to do to be safe is gone now. Mm -hmm. And that that is what is terrifying us. Yeah. So we have to find our own way up the mountain now. <laughs> yes, yes, we have to do a lot more uh, inner uh, discovery, right? Instead of yeah. just being an automatic pilot, not really thinking, we have to kind of stop, think, and digest. <laughs> yeah, very good. Like stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> I'm going to stop, drop, and roll, and I won't be on fire anymore. <laughs> Awesome. And I've linked to uh, Sheree's business in the uh, Facebook live. So you can check her out and find her and, and work with her because she, she is fantastic. Thanks, Sheree. Thank you, Shauna. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful weekend. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.